Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Aaron Bludorn, Sharif Mboj, and Zara Jifchak from Navy Blue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the owner of Fluff Bake Bar, Rebecca Masson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited. I know for people who have only been listening to the show for the last last couple of years, they may not remember that you used to do this all the time. And then, you know, pandemic and you had to focus on running your bakery. And so we haven't haven't had you on as a co-host in a minute, but I'm glad that you're here. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. All Thanks right. Riding a bicycle, I hope. <laughs> well, let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Cafe Express has reopened its River Oaks location with a new look, an updated menu, and more service, by which I mean they will bring you your food instead of making you go get it. <laughs> the pioneering fast casual concept has stepped into the modern era, and they have big plans. They want to open as many as 15 locations across the Houston area and 15 in the Dallas area. Becky, let me throw it to you. What do you what do you think about Cafe Express? Have you eaten there over the years and and what's your current relationship with it? Um I think it's been ages since I've eaten there. Like I think before I came to Houston kind of ages. Uh it, it's never really popped into my head as a place to go and grab something to eat. Um but I'm reading the article and reading about the updates and the menu updates um, and the design. I think it's going to be something to give it a try. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's all kind of well said. I mean, you know, it has this, this history because it was founded by Robert Del Grande and Lonnie Schiller, you know, in the eighties, kind of at the height of their success with cafe Annie. Yeah. And, yeah. And they don't they don't own it anymore. It's been sold a couple of times now that the ownership group is based in in Dallas. But I have I have really fond memories of going to Cafe Express, high school, college, uh, the burger, the pasta bowls, the condiment bar with all the olives and the cornichons and the breadsticks. And so, you know, it it's not that I don't, I don't know that I don't know that Cafe Express necessarily got worse or my taste changed or or whatever, but, you know, somehow a restaurant that had kind of been in the rotation kind of fell out. I don't know. I think maybe our tastes kind of grew up a little and like, yeah, there's some nostalgic feelings about it. But at the same time, like maybe I think for a while there, it kind of felt antiquated. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, the to go all, you know, fast times about it. You know, I, I kept getting older and it stayed the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I like that they're adding a steak to the menu. I like that they're adding some new salads. I like that they've lightened and brightened the, the River Oaks location and that they're going to bring those changes to the to the Meyerland location, you know, because, you know, and clearly, clearly they needed to do something because most of the Cafe Express locations are gone. Right. The 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 memorial location is gone. You know, town and country is still there, but there used to be one 
like at Woodway and Voss that's long gone. There used to be one in Greenway Plaza that's gone. So, you know, the time had come to kind of step things up. And I, I admit they they just reopened this week. So I have not had a chance to go and try the new dishes, but they look good. And the 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 pictures of the new interior look great. So Yeah, that's it's very pleasing to the eye, kind of those blues and whites and it's kind of a relaxing looking vibe from the photos. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's what we want from a fast casual restaurant, right? We, we want it to be sort of quick and easy and relatively affordable. And, you know, I think to the extent that Cafe Express can sort of fulfill those needs again, you know, it certainly has, has all the, all the tools required to, to be successful. I think just that, you know, if we're going to quote movies in the, in, you know, Ferris Bueller, life's moves pretty fast. <laughs> but you got to keep up, right? Um, yeah. I think they're definitely making a giant leap to keep it up with what's going on in the restaurant world. Yes, I think that's, I think that's right. So I guess our next, I guess our next outing then is to Cafe Express. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Let me move on to topic number two. We're going to be talking about Navy Blue quite a bit with Aaron, Sharif, and Jared, or I'm going to in a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of take a step back and talk about uh, Jared Zifchak coming to Houston to be the executive chef of Navy Blue, because uh, he's coming from New York, where he he took over as the executive chef of Cafe Blue for Aaron Bluedorn, and prior to that, he worked at La Bernadette. And, and really, you're the ideal co-host for this because like Jared and Aaron and Sharif, you also worked for Daniel Ballou in New York. Uh, it's just maybe a little longer ago than they did. I'm the old, I'm the old maid here. Yes. <laughs> so, so let me just ask you, if I tell you that a chef who spent four years at La Bernadette and four years at Cafe Ballou is coming to Houston to open a seafood restaurant, what what does that tell you? What is what does that mean for you? I mean, excited is kind of an understatement um, with that pedigree. I mean, working at La Bernadette, holy cow! Like that is the place to work and the place to eat for seafood. I mean, there's just really is there anything other than La Bernadette? <laughs> But uh, also working for Danielle, I, I know I texted Aaron and I said, you know, who's next? Toto, which Toto's the, this. I mean, Stewart's not even a great title for him. He's just, he's the man behind the scenes, right? I was like, are you taking the whole staff of Danielle and bringing them down here? Um, I'm super excited. I'm stoked. Uh, I've never eaten Jared's food, but I don't need to eat Jared's food to know that it's probably going to be amazing. Right. I don't think, you know, I don't think Aaron's going to, Aaron's going to bring somebody that's going to be amazing. So just as blue door knocks our socks off, I think that Navy blue will, you know, we'll you know, probably take the shoes and the socks. You know, talking to Jared, he mentioned that, you know, he spent some time as the fish butcher when he was at La Bernadette. You know, very famously, there's one guy who cuts all the fish at La Bernadette, and and every year he takes a month off, and one one of the cooks gets sort of selected to to be his apprentice and then take over for that month when he's not there, and that was Jared, and. Wow. 
you know, anyone who brings like that kind of really precise, like technique and training, and then we're going to turn him loose at, you know, easily one of the year's most anticipated new restaurants, you know, right in the heart of Rice Village to do, like, I don't even know that it matters, like what, what kind of specific dishes they're serving because they're not, they're not really ready to say yet. Right, right, right. Although, you know, as people are going to hear in a few minutes, they, one thing Aaron says is they're going to do different ingredients three ways, like lobster, clam, shrimp. So I'm, I'm rooting for Thermidor as one of the lobster <laughs> preparations. Like I, oh, You know it's going to happen and you know it's going to be grand. Right. I mean, come on. It's going to be, it's going to steal the show is what it's going to do. <laughs> but the other thing and we'll talk about this too, is that they're not, you know, maybe they came in a little bit under the radar with Blue Dorn in 2020, because that was like early pandemic and people were nervous about dining out or they hadn't been dining out. And now, you know, it has the reputation of being one of the best restaurants in Houston. And so they're going to have to come out kind of guns blazing. Yeah. I mean, you know how Houstonians are when somebody from out of town comes in, like it takes us a hot minute to accept it. Right. We either don't or we do. Right. Well, with Blue Dorn, we definitely have. We definitely have. I, I'm not going to lie. Maybe the tie to, is it Papa's? The tie to Papa's kind of helped a little. Right. Now it's not even a top. It's not even like in the conversation. Oh, Aaron Blue Dorn is, you know, Victoria's husband. Like we don't even talk about that anymore. Now we talk about the lobster pot pie and that tart flambe. Oh my God, that tart flambe. Um, you know, those are the, those, that's the topic of it. And so I think Aaron has made a really good case for bringing someone in from the outside and making it successful. So I think he's, I think they're going to knock it out of the park again, especially in that neighborhood. I drove by it the other day. I forgot, I forgot that the building was there. I was like, oh yeah, they'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they, and they want people to know, because, you know, anytime you go anywhere in Rice Village, people are always nervous about parking. Yeah. They're going to have a valet. Oh, good. Yes. It's a, it's a fine dining restaurant with a valet. And, and for the people who are like, I don't like valet. Well, then you can take your luck with the street parking or, there's the nearby garage. Yeah, yeah, there's a big there's a big garage. You just have to hoof it a little bit. Yeah. It'll be good for after the meal when you have to walk off that walk off that lobster thermidor, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Because they're not they're not gonna do the same dishes at Blue Dorn. So there won't be lobster pot pie. You have to go to Blue Dorn for that. But they're and they they wouldn't they wouldn't confirm lobster thermidor, but they also didn't tell me we're not doing it. So they didn't deny it either. They didn't deny it. <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny. Ah, that's a good sign. Let's move on to topic number three. Uh, Speaking of new chefs, Michael Sambrooks, the owner of Candente, the Pit Room, and 1751 CN Bar, has hired Louis Maldonado to be the chef of Andiron, his new live fire steakhouse that is opening uh, along Allen Parkway in the same building as Clarkwood. Lewis is an interesting guy. He's a Top Chef alum. He was on the New Orleans season. That's right. Who, who also led San Francisco's Cortez restaurant when it earned one Michelin star, which is no small feat to do. No, not at all. 
So, so Becky, let me just ask you, what do you, what do you think about the Sandbrooks restaurants in general? And, and what do you make of, of hiring Louis Maldonado to be its executive chef? Uh, I love the pit room. Uh, I've only eaten at Candente a half a dozen times, half of, you know, a few times. You, you don't invite me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's because you're an El Tiempo, you're an El Tiempo partisan and I've, I've written you off. Ah, oh, is that comes it? To okay. yeah. I, I, I claim loyalty to no one. Okay. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that Mr. Sandbrook has definitely got, definitely made some successful concepts, uh, you know, they, he's, he's uh, hired the right people and put them in the right place. So I trust that he's made a great decision with Lewis. I don't know Lewis just except for what, you know, we've seen on Top Chef, but like you said, to earn a Michelin star, like that's just not easy. So hopefully he brings that enthusiasm and technique to us so that we get to taste some of that one star cuisine. Maybe one day we'll get stars. Who knows? Yeah, I well, I, I think we we can sort of see how that might take place right now that, you know, Michelin is doing California and cities in Florida. Basically, the, the tourism boards in those places paid Michelin to come in and evaluate the restaurants. Uh, and so if if whatever, you know, Houston first and whatever their equivalents are in Dallas, Austin and San Antonio and whatever statewide Texas tourism board want to team up and, you know, back up the Brinks truck for Michelin. I think we, we could be in a position to start giving stars out to Texas restaurants, but I, my guess is that that's what it's going to take. Yeah. We have to pay, I guess. Huh? You, yeah. It, you know, And it's not like you get to control the outcome, right? You just, you pay them and then they do their thing and then they tell you what they think. Yeah. So, uh, but but just to circle back to to Andiron and and Lewis, I mean, when I I talked to Michael uh, about this, and he said that it was like a nationwide search that they were working with different headhunters, and they and you know more than anything, what what really impressed him was that that Michelin star and some of the and some of his live fire experiences at, at restaurants across the country. And the other thing that really struck me about Andiron is that Michael wants it to be really ingredient driven. Right, like buy really great quality beef, cook it over live fire, you know, kind of like you do at kind of like what they do at 1751, where there's sort of a whole bunch of different small plates and you can kind of make a meal out of that, or you can have a piece of fish with some sides and do it that way. Uh, but I, you know, I think, you know, for as many steakhouses as we have and, and for all the griping. People like to do about we have too many steakhouses, which is not which is not how business works, right? Like, is, right. you know, they can they succeed on their own, they succeed or fail on their own merits. Uh, but I'm going to say that Andiron sounds like it's going to be different than the other steakhouses. It it may not do, you know, it may not do, you know, cream spinach and scalloped potatoes, or if it does those things, it's going to do them in a way that that maybe is a little bit unexpected, and so you know, bringing in someone again, like you said, bringing in someone from out of town with really great experience, I think sort of demonstrates the ambition, right? Like they, they want to set themselves apart and, and, you know, I am, I am well on the record as being a big 
you know, Candente fans, certainly I've had great meals at 1751, uh, you know, enjoyed the pit room. So, you know, I am excited to see what, what Michael and the the rest of the team do with Andiron. Cause, cause I do think it really has the potential to stand out. Yeah, it does. And I'd like to see, you know, like you said, more ingredient driven and, and that kind of thing. Like it's, you know, this, how the setup is at 1751, we have more small plates. I'm a small plate fan. Like I love me a whole meal of small plates because I get to try everything, right? I don't have to limit my, I understand it's a steakhouse and we're going to want to buy a, a filet or a strip or whatever it is you want to get. But I'm a big fan of like just grabbing a whole load of small plates for the table. So it'll be exciting to see what the format of their quote steakhouse is so i'm excited i mean the pit room candente 1751 they've all been super successful and and you know brave reviews from everybody so i can't imagine and and Ron not being a hit as well absolutely all right becky i'm gonna say that does it for the news of the week oh you know what before we wrap up the news of the week let me just ask you what's what's new at fluff Sorry, I, I, you know, it's, it's holidays are coming up. It's almost pie season. Oh, it's almost pie season. Yes, we're we're mixing it up this year, y'all. Um, you know, I'm tired of pumpkin pie. Like nobody buys the pumpkin pie, right? So we've created a new pie, a pumpkin cream pie. So think like the texture of like a a chocolate cream pie, but it's pumpkin and it's delicious. And we use our Ginger molasses cookies for the crust. Uh, it's like a caramelized white chocolate pumpkin cremeau, which is just a fancy word, French word for pudding, right? Whipped cream. We're also adding the couch potato pie this year. So you've probably seen that on the on the Instagram. Uh, and then, yes, uh, the pink apples have been sec- secured. The mountain rose apples have been secured. So those will come back this year, too. So, you know, and it's fall, it's it's October, we started the pumpkin whoopie pies, you know, we've got all sorts of good stuff going on. Uh, you know, Mrs. Wilson over at Dodie's is working on her holiday wine pairing gift guide. So uh, we'll have some interesting pairings to go with said pies. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. So, so what pairs with Mountain Rose apple pie? I, I suppose... Uh... Knowing knowing you and knowing you and your mom, I'm gonna guess champagne. <laughs> champagne goes with everything. Uh you know, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to go back and look. And I feel like apple pie was the hardest one to pair a wine with. Isn't that crazy? Um, I'll have to I'll have to check with Miss Doty, the expert there. Um, we've got a couple guest chef things coming up, so watch the Instagrams on that. Yeah, that's about that's about it for excitement. Very good. Well, we look forward to all of that. Thank you. All right. Now I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. <laughs> we'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. This podcast is brought to you by Green Street. Located in the heart of downtown Houston, 
Green Street celebrates delicious cuisine, exciting entertainment, and live music, all in a vibrant urban setting. Green Street is the perfect spot for a dinner and drinks before or after a big game downtown. Grab a bite al fresco from on-site restaurants such as Guadalajara del Centro, The Palm, House of Blues, or MS Seafood Steaks and Oysters. Now, I'll have to say, I had the opportunity to visit The Palm, which relocated to downtown last year. It's an exciting update to just a classic Houston steakhouse, still with the prime steak, still with the giant lobsters, but in a refreshed and updated atmosphere. If you're not coming for dinner or after dinner, enjoy a drink and live entertainment from Pete's Dueling Piano Bar, or grab your friends and head to 810 Billiards and Bowling for a night of fun. Whatever the occasion, make Green Street your downtown destination of choice. Located at 1201 Fannin Street, go to greenstreetdowntown.com to see a full list of bars, restaurants, and entertainment destinations. That's greenstreetdowntown.com. Becky, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to talk to you about Upside Pub. This is the casual new craft beer and food spot in the old Shepherd Park draft house space on Shepherd, just north of 610, uh, right near Cottonwood. It was briefly uh, Trace Amigos, a Tex-Mex restaurant. And it comes to us from Paige, uh, Paige Lujan, who moved here from California. She's got a ton of experience in the craft beer world. I don't know. Let me let me just throw it to you. What did you what did you think of our our dinner at Upside Pub? Uh, there were a lot of upsides to it. <laughs> Sorry, bad dad joke. Um, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed our our little meal there. Um, it was, um, let's see, it was, you know, that space is long and skinny, so I imagined maybe it might be a little tight, but it felt comfortable. I think most people were enjoying the uh nice weather on the patio. Um, we had a great selection of stuff. You know, I'm not really a wing person because I feel like I end up wearing more than I get in my mouth, um, if that makes sense. But those Thai chili wings were fantastic, quite flavorful, a little spicy. Um, well, you know, well seasoned, they were tasty. And I really, really, you know, I think the only lockies I've had in my life are the ones that you and your sister made at your bake sale. And those lucky balls with the applesauce, man, that was killer. Those were good. I enjoyed those too. Um, and I like the dessert. It's just like a fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich, basically. That's I mean, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a sucker for PB and J, right? To this day of my life. So I liked that it was simple. It wasn't overly sweet. It it hit all the hot buttons, including nostalgia. So I really enjoyed it. I agree with all of that. You know, I, I think it's interesting. We're, we're at kind of a, a strange point where, you know, for craft beer drinkers, like a lot of the focus has shifted from bars to breweries. Yes. And so I kind of like that, you know, here's a, here's a new bar with, I don't know, 12, 15 taps, whatever it is, you know, some more stuff in bottles and cans, but like, they have they have some of the local stuff, but they also have some of the national stuff. And and you know, like I was drinking a Lone Pint, which is which is local. There's Cezanne, which I've you know usually 
with Lone Pine, you you think about um, Yellow Rose, which is their their IPA. So this was, you know, like a, the other one, right? Like uh, to to stretch the analogy, not sailing by Christopher Cross, but ride like the wind. You know, it's the, <laughs> it's it's the other one. Yes. Or you know, not not carry on my wayward son or dust in the wind, but but point of no return to go just super obscure in the and and show what an old man I am. So I I like that, you know, and I like that they have, you know, I had a draft margarita and a and a draft old fashioned. I like that they're, you know, speedy service, right? That's that's one right. of the things we like about pubs is that, you know, you order the stuff and it comes out quickly. They're not they're not trying to dazzle you with their cocktails. They're just they're just well executed, simple kind of familiar drinks. And and I think that's all to the good. And and I agree with you. I mean, those potato locky balls, like who doesn't like a fried potato? <laughs> uh, in in whatever form you want to serve it to me, uh, they're doing you know they're doing like loaded fries with you know queso and pico de gallo and sour cream and guacamole, you know instead of nachos, which I think is really fun. They're doing a California style burrito with with French fries in it, which I I thought was was really like surprisingly tasty. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a a sloppy hot dog bacon wrap with griddled onions and peppers and, and sauce. Uh, and, and instead of getting into the burger game, they're doing a patty melt on marble rye. So yeah. I, I, I think it's like, it's, it's very approachable. Prices are reasonable. It's they've got the TVs, right? You can watch the Astros or the Texans, or they, they even, they post to Instagram, like, you know, on a college football Saturday, these are the games we'll be showing. So, you know, I, I just think it's just like a smart, friendly little neighborhood joint. In a time when, you know, we could always use another one of those. Exactly. Didn't they have a bachelor uh, finale watching party? I I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. For those still never seen an episode. But anyways, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think the atmosphere is great for that neighborhood. I think it's awesome with the cocktails for those that don't want to drink beer. I had a non-alcoholic what was it mocktail but it was a yeah it was a non-alcoholic margarita yeah and it was tasty it almost <laughs> reminded me why i broke up broke up with tequila but not in a bad way right not in a bad way um i yeah i think that it i think it's a great little addition to that strip into that neighborhood i mean it's my it's my neighborhood technically so um it wouldn't be far-fetched to see us over there handful of times yeah i think i think that that's kind of the big question right is you you know and they're open late-ish right like on mm-hmm. like on monday nights they're open at least until monday night football's over uh you know sunday nights will be open until sunday night football's over and then they they stay open until you know midnight on the weekends i i just think this is this is like a you know it's an independent place it's it's kind of making its way in the world and and these are the kind of neighborhood places that people always talk about, you know, we want to support local, we want to do, you know, we want we want something that's good in our neighborhood, we want something we can pop into uh, for lunch or dinner, don't have to get dressed up, don't want to spend a lot of money. It's like, all right, well, here you go. Now, now you got to put up, now you got to, now you got to show up and support it. Exactly, exactly. I enjoyed it. It was great. And the hospitality was was amazingly 
nice. So, I mean, I'm not amazed, but you know what I mean. I'm trying to say, right? Well, we should say, we should say, right. Paige, Paige knew we were coming, right. I I set up a visit with their. But but even uh, the servers and the bringing the drinks and the, um, everybody was very nice. Yeah. They, they couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. And then just real quick, we went to Upside Pub, but before we went to Upside Pub, we went to River Oaks District for the opening party for Kate Weiser Chocolates. This is a, a very elegant, very refined chocolatier out of Dallas. I know, again, you're the you're the only Houston chef who ever says nice things about Dallas uh, restaurants. So obviously I had to take you with me to the- That can't uh, be true. Uh, I don't know. You're you're the only you're the only one I know. How's that? Okay. But but just from your perspective as a as a pastry chef, I mean, just talk a little bit about kind of Kate Weiser chocolates and and why people should be excited about this. Well, because I'm excited. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I really am excited. Um, whenever I do head up to Dallas, which sadly hasn't been in a while, Kate's shop is always a stop. Um, she reminds me a lot of of Annie from uh, Cacao and Cardamom in those bright colors, beautifully painted chocolates, but their flavors couldn't be more different, right? Annie's more, um, you know, pistachio and garam masala, a little more exotic, right? And Kate is all about nostalgia. It's, um, there's a cherry and almond, which tastes like peanut butter and jelly. There's one that tastes like Snickers. There's the Ninja Turtle. They're even, but even with those, even her salted caramel bonbons, I mean, they're just really well executed. Great chocolate. She's a great chocolate. She uses, you know, top quality ingredients for the fillings. I don't know. They're delicious. Um, they would be great for holiday gifts, but also just to have in the kitchen while you're stressing out over the holidays, have a nice bite of chocolate, right? Um, she's got candy bars. She will be bringing Carl the snowman, which is her version of the hot cocoa bomb bombs. Um, I'm I'm just super excited. Plus, Kate is, I've I've actually this was the first time I met Kate in person, so um, I was really excited about that. She's a great person. Um, she's she's got a huge following in Dallas, so I hope that she gets a huge following here too, because it's definitely worth checking out and and indulging in all of her things. Right. I mean, we, we talked to Kate for probably, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes, maybe even a little bit longer, you know, at that opening. We, we hit it kind of early before the crowd showed up. And again, she couldn't have been nicer. Um, and these are wonderful, like, gifts, you know, very elegant, uh, chocolate bonbons. I mean, you know, we had the the cookie monster, which is vanilla bean ganache with cookie butter crunch. Mm-hmm. We had the cherry almond, which has uh, an almond. Uh, uh, I'm not uh, G I A N D U J A. John Duja. Oh, John Duja. John Duja. Thank you. John Duja. Just think, John Duja. Uh- <laughs> Uh, Jean Julia is typically uh, chocolate pressed with hazelnut, but yes, you can do it with almonds as well. Um, Jean Julia is one of my favorite things. Yeah. So it's a little bit like it's, it's, she compared it to sort of PB and J, you know, kind of in its flavor profile, but, but in a very, very sophisticated way. Yeah. And then I know you're a big fan of the passion fruit to the point that you made me buy a passion fruit or 
persuaded me to buy a passion fruit chocolate bar. How's that? <laughs> and it was worth it, right? A hundred percent. Yes, it's delicious. And she pairs it with hazelnuts. Um, so good. So good. Yeah. I just like that her flavors are so approachable, right? That it's not stretching my mind to what whether or not, oh, will that work together? Like it's she she does it in a way that you're like, oh, I know passion fruit. Okay, I'll get that because I like it, right? But it doesn't matter what else is with it because it's just gonna work. So Yeah. No, I I you know, I'd, I'd had them in Dallas before it had been a while. And, and, you know, like I said, we, we tried a couple things. I took a couple things home at that pumpkin pie, that pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie candy bar uh, was something I really enjoyed once I, once I got it home. But yeah, these are, these are really, really pretty chocolates. It's a, it's going to be a fun addition and it's going to be here, you know, through all of the candy holidays. So you know, wow. Halloween, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then Valentine's Day. So it, this pop-up shop will be open uh, until the end of February. So, you know, the next time someone's, you know, visiting River Oaks District, you know, if you're going to a restaurant or a movie or whatever, you know, definitely swing by uh, Kate Weiser and, and check out what they've got going on because it's a, it's very delicious. So good. Yay, Kate. All right. Becky, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I had a blast. It's uh, It was like riding a bike, so we're good. <laughs> All right. And I will be right back with the team from Navy Blue. I am joined this week by the men behind navy blue a new seafood restaurant coming soon to rice village aaron bluedorn welcome back to the show thanks eric happy to be here sharif boge welcome thank you thank you happy to be here and executive chef jared jifchak welcome hi good good to be here thank you sharif let me let me just start with you because you know aaron's been on the show a couple of times uh, I haven't had the pleasure of having you on yet, so maybe just talk a little bit about kind of your background in the food world and and how you got to the point where you are now, which is a, the general manager and partner for both Blue Dorn and Navy Blue. Thank you, Eric. I uh, Yes, it is my first time on your, on your podcast, and I'm very excited. This is one that I've been looking forward to, so thank you for inviting me to this. Uh, my uh, my journey in the in the hospitality business started at a young age. I, I think about the the things that drove me to finding myself in restaurants, and over the years, the older I get, I realize it was it, it was never by accident. Even when I didn't realize how passionate I was about hospitality, I, if people who knew me at a young age would always tell me today how. Signs were there all along. I remember, and I'm going to take this all the way back to my childhood, back home in Senegal, where I was born and raised. Um, I, I grew up in a household of, of nine. Um, I, so, so you could quite imagine being a, a, a busy house where people would wake up. Men generally would go to work, and my mom would be in the house cooking, going from breakfast to lunch to, to, to dinner. And uh, boys generally were busy with other things that were not 
that were rarely related to food. You were either busy with labor, work, or school, and things like that. And I, I, at that young age, I was already all the time, from, from what I can remember, around the kitchen, around my mom, just helping, uh, helping cut meat, helping cut vegetables. And, and at times, you know, other kids would make fun of me, or <laughs> my dad would ask me to step out of the kitchen all the time and go play with the boys. But um, I, I, I was always passionate about food and the preparation that goes into it. And uh, just seeing it from uh, the raw state to seeing it plated in a beautiful setting. And uh, as soon as I was old enough to, 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 to give it a shot myself and cook here and there, I would always uh, be cooking. I would help prepare lunch or dinner at home with my family to the time that when I finally had the opportunity to come to America um, at a young age on a soccer scholarship for Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, my first summer, I, I was looking at options. What do I do when school would come to an end? Do I stay in Michigan? Do I, do I go travel around a little bit and, and, and discover America, see other cities? <clears throat> and a friend of mine was telling me about New York City. Sure, you should travel and go see New York City. It's a, it's a fun city. There's a lot to do, especially during summer. You could maybe even get a job and stay busy. And one of those jobs that were mentioned to me was working in a restaurant, and that immediately was something I was interested in. So I, I take a Greyhound bus and, and make my way to New York City. Um, when I got to New York City, the first opportunity I had was a restaurant. It was a Vietnamese Thai restaurant that was then located on, uh, on Lexington and 63rd. I remember walking in this restaurant and had no idea what I was walking into. It was a completely uh, different, strange setting. And, but I was also extremely lucky to people who I met there because I remember walking in, there was this, this woman standing at the door with the biggest smile. Her, her name is Beth, and she's one of my best friends today. I walked in, she looked at me and had this smile, and I smiled back. She says, hi, how can I help you? And I said, I'm looking for work. I want to work in a restaurant. And I said it in a way with a smile. She said, come on in. We sat down, had a few minutes conversation, and she asked me to come back the next day. And the next day I came in and, uh, as an essay, so pretty much like a, like a stage. And, and I staged as a busboy. Uh, they also took me in the kitchen to stage with the runners and the dishwashers. And I'll tell you, Eric, it's, it's one day I will never forget because my senses were just activated in ways that I hadn't ever experienced it, being in a dining room, being in a restaurant and just seeing, and I will say how the light was, was, was reflecting on the chandelier, uh, the bar scene, the dining room, people eating, engaged in conversations, laughing. It, that energy was so, I was so drawn to it immediately. I knew this was something I wanted to do. Uh, and, and I was obsessed with everything about the restaurant, everything about what goes into it from the moment you walk into the building till, till, till you leave. And that, that was how my career in the restaurant business started. Um, and be, being a, a young immigrant who grew up in a, in a busy household where they were constantly buzzing, people are talking, there is meals being prepared in big quantities. Living by myself for the first time in America was, it was a tough transition. And when I found myself in a restaurant, I think it was the place where I, I, I found that the closest thing to that energy again, you know. It right, was, right. It's sort of the controlled chaos of, of restaurant service actually kind of mimics that busy home life. 
that that's it. That 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 you know that friendship you develop, the camaraderie that that just happens naturally, that controlled chaos you mentioned. Uh, you you feel you're part of a brigade, you're part of something. People come and go, and and I I, I took that and I ran with it. I never looked back. And I every day when I would come to work, I was eager to learn, uh, to grow into a new position over the years. I wanted to do any everything and anything in a restaurant. So that over the years, I I I was able to just go from one position to the next. And when I finally decided to to take things up a notch, I I was hired at Boulay, that's where I went in, as, a, as an assistant server, became a captain and a manager. And Boulay being a restaurant where, at that time, when you talk about Michelin star restaurants coming, opening up in New York, it, it was one of those first Michelin star restaurants where fine dining was truly, truly uh, done in a way that is extremely traditional. You know, you have your tier of Busboys, runners, assistant captain, captains, uh, floor metrodies, and all of it split in ways that your job was very, very easy, but also really limited to a few tasks. And you had a ton of people in the restaurant working service. That was uh, 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 the base of fine dining exposure that I had at a young age. And as I got older, I wanted to expand my, my experience a little more. So I, I took a job with a company named uh, China Grid Management, who was known to be this, uh, this big company in New York City that were invested in nightlife, in, 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 in restaurants, in fast-paced fast -paced casual, fine dining. They had all those different, different concepts folded into one company. And they were, at the time, probably the biggest hospitality group in New York City uh, with Jeffrey Chodoro. So when I took a job with them, I, it was an opportunity for me to really uh, expand my knowledge and, and my experience on the different types of restaurants that I would work for. Um, with, with, with China Grill, I was able to, 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 to navigate restaurants that are operating in hotels, uh, the whole licensing, management deals type of things. Some of our restaurants even included, included nightclubs, which would, would, something I quickly realized that I was not interested in. <laughs> <laughs> right, and we should say, just for context, Jeffrey Chattero is one of the truly, like, certainly at the time, like one of the most prominent and successful restaurateurs in New York City. No doubt, no doubt. I, I, the time when, when I worked for him, China Grill Management was a huge company. I mean, everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew what the company was doing. And the, I mean, they had thousands of employees at, at, at times. And they were running some of the hottest restaurants, Asia de Cuba, um, China Grill Restaurant itself. Uh, I was at Ed Shadow House, which was at uh, uh, on the Upper West Side by near Lincoln Center, and every place, every restaurant had a had had a had a hand in my career in just helping me, helping me grow. And uh, one thing that is for sure in my experience is over the years, as I worked in these restaurants, I also developed a, a network of friends, friendships of with people who are professionals and who've who've, who've helped me. Uh, along the way, just guiding you here and there from from the Ed Browns of the world, from um, friends who landed me, uh, connected me to people that got me a job with Daniel Boudou, where I feel like my career took a turn when I met Chef Aaron Boudou at, at Café Boudou. Uh, I remember at times studying him that I had, and it's, it's you know, call it a sixth sense, but I had this strong belief that 
him and I were going to do something special. I, I felt it. I believed it. And we would, we would joke about this. Um, and here we are. But uh, the years we spent working together at Café Boulud were, were, were truly instrumental in ways where we were able to use our combined experience at that time because him and I had both been in the business for a while. We, 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 we had seen um, fine dining at a certain level. We'd seen uh, casual, maybe, at a certain level. So we, we were able to just navigate this world that Café Boulud is and, 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 and use our experiences to be efficient while delivering good and quality uh, food and service. And that is today what our brand is really uh, centered on. It's, you know, we live in a world where fine dining is, is very difficult to explain. Uh, it's very misunderstood. Um, but fine dining is, 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 in a sense, very much tied to an emotion. And that emotion just comes with, with, with is created by, by, by the perception of value and, and, and just how well we connect with people. And that is, this is where him and I, have, this is our world, this is where we've lived the past few years. And I think that is something that people can feel and see when they're glued on. And we are very excited to continue to, to, to push and ramp up towards the Navy Blue. That seems like a good, I, I want to, I definitely want to come back to the last part of that. Uh, but Jared, I, let me, let me get you in. Yeah. Um, just, just talk a little bit about, about your background in the food world and, and kind of how you got to this point uh, where now you're, you're here in Houston and getting ready to open Navy Blue. Yeah. Uh, so my story uh, starts when I was, you know, a very, very young age. My father was a chef as well so i was kind of introduced to everything at a young age and i kind of always knew that it was what i wanted to do um so i would always be helping him with his catering parties and cooking at home and doing all that kind of stuff and you know going into school high school i always knew i was going to go to the cia and oh yeah yeah and, you're, you're leaving out and, the part where Jared's dad is the notoriously one of the toughest chefs at chef instructors <laughs> at the CIA. Oh, okay. To the point where anyone who's been into the CIA for the last twenty, what, oh, thirty years knows Chef Zivchek. So yeah. basically, he's like, can we can we stretch the sports analogy? Is he like the Nick Saban of yes. CIA instructors? Big time. Yeah, if you possibly. if he likes you and and it's like. He doesn't like anybody, <laughs> but if he likes <laughs> you, you, you've made it. You're somebody. So. Yeah, I was like, I always tell people try and have you know having to deal with that level of strictness throughout your entire life. So, so <laughs> in a good way, in a in a very good way, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, so yeah, I kind of just grew up, grew up in the industry, and and uh, went to the CIA out of high school. Um, did the AOS and the bachelor's degree there. And then I did a, it's called a, like an MIT manager in training program there as well, where you kind of, you know, it's like a sous chef position in one of the restaurants on campus. So I did that for a year. And then um, I had an opportunity to become a cook at La Bernadette after that. Uh, so I took a job starting out from the very the very bottom at, uh, at La Bernadette, and I ended up staying there for four years, working throughout the entire kitchen, um, every station, including fish butcher, all the way up uh, 
you know, until sous chef. And I decided that I wasn't done cooking. I wanted a little more expensive, a little bit more experience before I took on a sous sous chef position. Um, And that's kind of how I ran into Aaron at a, at an event we were doing in the Cayman Islands. He was there with Danielle. I was there with Chef Repair. And I was on my way out and we kind of got talking. And I was like, I kind of want to, you know, do a little bit more French technique and learn how to cook meats and a little, you know, something out of my comfort zone with, with seafood. Um, so that's kind of how our relationship started. I worked there um, as a tournaut at first, worked throughout the entire kitchen getting familiarized with everything and, and, um, you know, Chef Aaron's style and how the restaurant works and getting to know Chef Danielle. Um, and then eventually I said, okay, this is where I want to start to, to learn about being a sous chef and learning about managing and payroll and food cost and labor cost and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I eventually became a sous chef and then executive sous chef. And then when Aaron came down to Houston, I took over for him as executive chef at Cafe Balloon. Um, and was in that position for about a year before basically COVID. And then, and then I went to private chef for a little bit. And then um, when they had this opportunity in, in Houston to come down and open up a new, a new uh, concept, I you know, heard it was seafood and I already have a, an amazing relationship with both Sharif and Aaron because I worked with them for how long? It was like four years, years four or five years. Yeah. 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 So I was always, you know, we all got, got along so well. I always looked to them as both uh, definitely mentors and, and really good friends. So yeah, it just all made sense. And I uh, decided to come down to Houston and here I am. um sharif before we dive into navy blue let me just let me just circle back what has your experience been like in houston you know you've been here for a couple of years now kind of getting into the city what have you what have you learned what what surprised you the most about about being here (laughs) uh thank you for asking the question i you know houston is a city that that truly grows on you Uh, it's my first time in Houston was uh, during Chef Aaron and Victoria's wedding, and I remember the drive from the airport to to the hotel, just just on both sides of the highway. Anywhere, just seeing a lot of development. It, it felt at that first time I saw it, it, it hit me that way. I, I was like, "Wow, this city really has a lot happening in terms of all these cranes and all these development coming in. What's happening?" And because I didn't know much about Houston, thinking that most people of who I would meet here maybe would be from here. And, and it, it was the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, instead, the, the more time I spent in Houston, the more I, I saw things that surprised me in a good way. Uh, the diversity of the city. Uh, everybody here comes from somewhere else. People travel from all over the world to come live in Houston, visit Houston, do business in Houston. So if anything, it, it, there was just constantly a lingering question to how come I never heard a lot about Houston living in other cities. And, and, and it is perhaps because this city is, is such a great city to live in. And people of this town, over my, for, for the time that we've lived here, have, have, have been our biggest win. And, and from being so lucky to having neighbors, the neighbors that we have, who have 
children of similar age than my, my wife Monica and I, and who are extremely friendly people, very nice, welcoming, who, who made sure that we were, we were comfortable and at home from the couple of days of us moving into our home. Um, I think as a, as a city, the people of this town are truly, and I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm on a podcast or because I live in Houston. I'm, I've, I've lived in a lot of places around, you know, in, in my life from childhood to now. And, uh, and I have to say Houston feels like home and has felt like it from the day that we arrived. Um, the weather uh, is, I remember when we got here, we got here in the month of July. And it was so hot. My kids, my my oldest daughter, immediately from the time we got out of the airport driving to the to the house, kept saying, It's hot. Why is it so hot? And I flat out just lied to her and said, It's just like this for a couple of days. Don't worry. It's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll pass. It'll be yes. fine. Yes, I said it's gonna cool down quickly. And Every couple of days, she'll bring it. She'll bring it up. You said it would be cold by now, and I literally <laughs> I took it all the way to November. But then <laughs> I couldn't tell them this is summer. Deal with it. But by the time the, the weather changed, it's just you, you understand why why people move to to Houston and to cities like this because you've got seven eight months of gorgeous weather that you just that makes living so so much more so easier so so. You know, we spent so much time outside with our kids. And, and for me, that was the biggest thing. You know, it was ending up in a place where our three children who are very young, are comfortable, um, that they like, they could connect with. Now I get to see them play on our street with the kids' neighbors. They ride their scooters, bike around the neighborhood. And, 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 and they seem to be having the, ch- the type of childhood that I was hoping that Monica and I would be able to give to our kids. And I'm, and I'm happy for that. I'm grateful for that. On the business side of things, uh, the clientele is behaves differently in, in restaurant, in, in my opinion, because I would say in New York City, I love the city, but my biggest motivation came from competition sometimes, or most of the times. You wanted to be on top of your game. You wanted to be the best. You wanted to outperform everyone else and, and be on top of the, the food chain when it, came to, when it came to the best restaurant in town. And, and I, you, you come to Houston, and immediately something happens that makes the drive come from a different place. It, it's more of you, you see how people support you. Everybody seems to be in your corner. And everyone really wants you to be successful. And, and that is an inspiring feeling. And that becomes your biggest motivation. So for us, that was maybe the silver lining of COVID is when we open our doors um, on, October, on August 20th. And and Chef and I talk about this every time. It was probably one of the most terrifying things and moments that we've experienced in life during COVID, thinking about opening this restaurant when everyone else was closing restaurants. And, and, and here comes day one, and you're wondering, you know, are we going to be able to pull this one? Are we going to open and close because people get sick? Or... So we, we, were, we, we operated with, with, with lots of... We were extremely careful. And, and the people... Coming into the restaurant those first weeks, I will never forget those comments. People would come in and would not just congratulate us for being able to open, but people went out, the, went out of their way to reassure us, to just remind us that this city is behind you, is behind us, that they will support you, they will come and, and, and have, make, make these comments that really, really touched me in ways that I felt, wow, you know. This is why we're here. This is why we love doing what we're doing, because 
we're able to to impact people's livelihoods in some ways and make people feel happy that we're able to just open our doors. And you know, the the, the the only sad part about that week opening is I couldn't hug every guest who walked in. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, but you know, we were in times when you you have you, you have yeah, to- we were still we were all still a little bit nervous, but but yeah. I I will say I I think you know thinking back to that time two years ago when Blue Dorn first opened, it was like the first exciting new restaurant that opened, you know, after the shutdowns, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. And, and it just felt, it felt fun and exciting in a way that like, I hadn't been to a restaurant that felt like that in six months or whatever. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was so, it was such a relief. It was like, okay, like maybe, like maybe we'll get back to something that's more like normal like we, we we can get there. Eric, I remember often when a guest will sit down or a guest will come in to dine and you'll 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 start talking to them and people will, will say, This is our first time leaving our house in months. Or people will say, This is our first time dining out in three, four months. I we kept hearing that for months after we opened. And and every time I hear that, you know, I would share this with Chef and the team, say this is why I, I I feel so grateful that we're able to do what we love for a living because if we're able to, to to create something that allows people to leave their houses for the first time in in three four months and go celebrate an anniversary or go dine somewhere, I felt that somehow we were able to help people get back to some sort of normalcy and this was not something that was on our radar at the beginning or something that was the plan it, it was something that happened naturally and 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 that that was one of the most rewarding feelings, and in, in being op- open and being able to open a restaurant in the times that we did it. All right, let's let's shift over to Navy Blue. I mean, you know, you guys kind of announced that you were doing this. You haven't you haven't really said that much about it. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, let me let me just kind of start with like the the two sort of most obvious questions in in my mind, which are. You know why? Why seafood, as opposed to any other kind of you know genre of restaurant you could have opened, and and how did you settle on Rice Village as the location? Yeah, well, um, well, first of all, you know, I think one kind of works with the other. We we had been, you know, I think maybe a year after opening Blue Dorn or ramping up to our first anniversary. You know, started to take meetings with with people around town and seeing what the opportunities were like you know what what's the next neighborhood you know i think that with blue dorn being uh fourth ward montrose area you're right smack dab in the middle of of what you know where you arguably most of the best restaurants in the city are um I'm, that can be argued and there's great restaurants everywhere in every neighborhood but um you know i think we really wanted to make our splash here now sort of looking at you know all the different areas that we walked into we had a few sort of concepts in our heads that we had we had sort of batted around and and but when we op- when we walked into the space in rice village that used to be politan row which unfortunately you know there were great chefs that were there before us you know evelyn garcia had kin there and um the, you know, amongst others it, you know it was it was sad to see that something like that had to had to close its doors but at the same time we saw the opportunity with this huge, big, expansive space um, right in the middle of the village, uh, and having Rice as as the landlords, they they own that 
that their endowment owns that whole swath of land uh, all the way um, all the way up to Kirby. Just hearing what their idea was for the village was to create a, a neighborhood. Well, to continue to create the neighborhood that's been there for a long time, but also, you know, their hundred-year plan for the idea or for the the space was was incredible. So we knew we'd have uh, a neighborhood similar to where Blue Dorn is, but also completely different. And I love how Houstonians, you know, even people in Memorial or you know, think that Rice Village is far away. It's so close to everything in my mind, you know, I mean, <laughs> but there's all these, these you know, these individual, uh, invisible uh, barriers. Yeah, there's there's weird mental blocks, right? Like people who live, people don't cross the bayou one way or the other. Like if you live yep. in the Heights or you don't come to Montrose, if you live in Montrose, you don't go to the Heights. Uh, and there's, a you know, there's a lot of East West because of the freeways, but North South is like weird. So yeah, River Oaks people don't go to Rice Village. Rice people don't go to River Oaks. It, it's all it. I I can't explain why necessarily. It's just that's not the. Those are not the axis by which we as Houstonians move. <laughs> I, I, which I love actually because it, it it creates it gives me the opportunity to, to be completely in a in a different you know different space, but then also be so close to where I can go back and forth in fifteen minutes and. You know, maybe those invisible barriers sort of uh, fade away from me, but then it, right, it, you're going to get great at Dunleavy. Dunleavy is like your secret yeah. or Mandel, you know, like those are your secret north south routes Ooh, I haven't uh, from Montrose it. into Rice Village. Oh, I like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, pick it up past you, you take it past Hugo's and then it runs you all the way to Sunset. You'll be there in no time. Oh, that, okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, just talking about, you know, why seafood, we walked into the space and it's large and it's got sort of a, a little bit of an industrial feel with the, you know, the cement ceiling and, and, and then, but then you look and it's all these windows that look out onto this, uh, the, the corner of Times and Kelvin. And it just, it just has a lot of life. It's very light and airy and it just felt perfect for, you know, what we were thinking about is having, you know, a restaurant that's a similar size of Blue Dorn, you know, being able to have a private dining room, a bar, um, but then getting to dictate where all those things went. And this 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 rec large rectangle rectangular building uh, gave us this opportunity to do it. And, you know, I think we've we've been talking about what what a modern sea American seafood restaurant is and what what that entails and you know, we wanted to give us a stab at it. We wanted to create something that was created in Houston um, and, and had, you know, a lot of roots to the Gulf and, you know, different, different, you know, incredible seafood that we get from here, but then also bring seafood from all over the country and, and maybe all over the world um, in yes. order to, to give guests the, you know, the experience that, that we're looking for the same similar experience that they would get at Blue Dorn, but at, at Navy Blue where, could be very different it's in a different neighborhood but it's also close by and familiar um all at the same time well good and I, i'm glad you mentioned that you're going to kind of be back and forth because that was one of the other things <laughs> you know i i think we should we should emphasize jared is the executive chef which from how i've always understood that term means that it's you know the the menu is kind of his responsibility he's going to lead the restaurant uh you are still the executive chef at blue door and as far as i right i think that's that's still the case yeah. Yeah. As of, as of today. Yes. I mean, you know, things can change tomorrow. I don't know. I, I think the way that I operate and the way that I uh, 
have always operated is, you know, you're always, you always want to, you know, give everyone, you want to always be training your replacement, right? And, and the better that those who are, who are with you do, the better that, you know, that your restaurant is. So the more, the more responsibilities you, you give out and you give to people, the more that they're able to grow. I think, you know, Chase has done an incredible job at Blue Dorn, um, you know, with over the last two years since opening. And, you know, he's, uh, is, is completely capable of running the restaurant. In fact, I always miss you uh, when I go in, but I'm always, I, I feel it's kind of like a running joke that every time Eric comes in, I'm either out of town or somewhere else. And, and, and I feel bad about it, but, you know, I mean, I feel great that, you know, you know, that Chase is going to, is going to do an incredible job and the same will be with Jared at Blue or at uh, Navy Blue. And, um, but then, you know, the other idea is that, you know, Sharif and I are going to find ways to, you know, tap, tap each other out, like give her, give ourselves you know, a high five and, you know, you're in at Navy Blue, I'm in at Blue Dorn and then vice versa. I can see, I can see many times needing to take Mandel all the way down in the middle of service to come <laughs> see someone else. And, and that's, that's kind of the great thing. I, but you know what, we, we learned to do that from, from Danielle, who is literally everywhere all at once in New York City. And it's crazy. And, and that's, that's, I guess, you know, what we, you know, what we saw, he's, you know, he could be literally, you'd think that, you know, you were headed home for the evening at, at 10 after, you know, you get your last table in and all of a sudden Danielle's on his way. Like, nope. And all, of, you know, the next thing you know, he's there till two in the morning. But right, right. You get that, you get that text message at nine 30 that, uh, you know, some, some super VIP or, you know, food writer or something has, has popped in for a, a late cocktail at, at Navy blue. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, gotta go. Like, yeah. gotta, but, but that's, that's kind of, you know, and how we see it, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be everywhere and anywhere all at once. So this was the plan. And this goes back to Eric, your question, how we, how, why rice village? It was, it's, it's perfect for the, this type of expansion that we've, we've been planning to have, uh, from the beginning, which is, you know, we're still in, this is just our second restaurant. And, and, and Blue Dawn is still our baby and, and, and having a second restaurant that allows us to, to be able to, to, to operate there and not be far from Blue Dawn so we can be in and out all the time, uh, be present in both locations at the same time becomes a real possibility. And, and that's yeah. why we wanted to stick around this area and, and, and not have a second concept that's in Austin or somewhere in the Woodlands. Um, we, we're still very much within the, the realm of of, of, of close access that chef can be in navy blue one moment and five 15 minutes later he's at blue dawn and and just him and i talk to him to really be present in our dining rooms well but and more importantly have incredible people that, that run the restaurant both restaurants and both places that we've given the opportunity to grow as well you know like we have to we have to grow the company in order for to allow there to be space to for all of our other you know, managers to continue to grow. And this, this gave us a huge opportunity to do that. And uh, we love that. Yeah. But I, you know, and, and I, I, from a business perspective, I completely understand that. But at the same time, I, I do think there is that component of people want to see you, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's your name on the door and they, they, they want to see you, I think specifically. So, you know, kind of, you know, finding that or, or maybe, you know, setting up that expectation that, that Jared will be the executive chef and, and that you'll be kind of back and forth. I think that's, that's probably smart just from like a, 
managing people's expectations. Well, absolutely. And Jared, I, I think he's a better chef than I am. That's why I, I think they'd be, they'd be happier to see Jared at the past than it would be for me. And that's the idea. So, yeah, no, you got it right there. There goes a tip for the day. This is a tip for the, for the podcast, huh? So, people <laughs> coming into Navy Blue are in for a real treat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Jared, I, I guess this is a kind of an opportunity to, to talk about kind of how you see your role as, as executive chef and, and kind of maybe what your, what are your plans for this restaurant? I mean, you're, you're kind of being tossed the keys to, you know, I don't know, like a really great sports car. Like you're, you're getting the keys to the Ferrari. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta be excited to get the thing on the track and ring it out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's going to be in, in tandem with Aaron and we've, we work closely together on everything, but you know, I am excited to get in there and have some fun with different, uh, all different types of seafood and use a lot of the stuff that I've learned at La Bernadette. I mean, it's each fish. I mean, it's, you have to cook all different fish differently. You can't overpower some, you can't, you know, you have to use different cooking techniques with, with, with everything. So, I mean, I'm super excited to, to, you know, just have some fun and and really use as much Gulf seafood as possible, but outsourcing a lot of stuff from uh, from you know wherever we can get it, the best seafood we can possibly get. Yeah, and Jared's being very very modest here. I want to say that I mean, he's not just you know I don't think we would be doing having a opening a seafood restaurant if, if Jared hadn't said yes. And I and I say that for a few different reasons. I mean. One of the things, you know, he was, he kind of brushed over like fish butcher at La Bernadette. No, there's one guy who does it and he takes a one month vacation each year. And Jared actually was one of, one of very few line cooks who have held down that position and you break down all the fish for the entire restaurant. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit of bragging on Jared on his behalf. Because... <laughs> no, I have this, I have this memory that there's a, there's like a Anthony Bourdain episode at La Bernadette where they talk to the fish butcher. He's like this legendary yes, figure yes, yes, yes. at that I mean, restaurant. Who taught me how to, how to butcher fish. So I, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. But yeah, he goes on vacation once a month. And once you, a year. Or, sorry, once a year. And, you know, someone, he, the, the chef throws someone in there for that month. And you just got to kind of kind of do it. But it's probably the best butchery class you can ever have. So. Eric, I'll tell you one thing. As you know, when I, as someone who gets to work with chefs and every day, and just see them in the element and do what they do, even myself, once in a once in a while, I'll find myself staring, just watching. Uh, you know, sometimes with all standing in a corner and just seeing what they do and how they 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 produce things. And and I remember the time when we all worked together, how these two worked together to create dishes, to put things out there, and the level of execution that comes with that. And I'm extremely excited to, to, to have this opportunity to share this again with people because I, I think that's going to be something really special in this city. And uh, Navy Blue will, will be the place where we get to roll this out and, and, and share it with the city. And, and, and actually the country, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that there's, there's something to be said about there's not a lot of seafood restaurants across the country that have, you know, gained any type of, national notoriety there's i feel like people are seeing that there's an opportunity you see joshua skeens did angler you know for nunez just opened uh este and, and it, there are more and people are starting to catch on to this but i think why where where better than houston 
to be the next one of those restaurants that really opens up and, and focuses on American seafood and what it yeah. is. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, you know, this is, this is sort of before all, all of your times here, but, you know, Brian Caswell did Reef as this kind of pioneering Gulf Coast, like exclusively Gulf Coast seafood restaurant in the late aughts. And, and it, it got some national traction and, and, you know, I, I have a complicated theory that we're not going to go into, but there, there's, there's a parallel universe where Brian Caswell becomes Chris Shepard, right? <laughs> where he kind of catches fire and becomes the face of Houston dining. Uh, and it just, you know, that's just the way history turns, right? It's not, it's not always obvious that these things are going to shake yeah. out the way that they do. Can I freak you out real quick? Please do. Okay. Brooks Howell, the, our architect, uh, it was the same architect who br- built Reef. So just... Okay, good. I, I like the I like the connection. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that there is an opportunity for kind of a statement, you know, modern seafood restaurant, you know, not dismissing the other great seafood restaurants in town or restaurants that serve seafood, yeah, but absolutely. I, I do think you have an interesting opportunity. And, and so, I, well, I, I guess that, that brings me to sort of the other question, which is like you... You sort of opened Blue Dorn, as you said, at a time when there, it was a very uncertain time and and people didn't know you very well. I mean, you, you had this reputation from New York and maybe, maybe they'd seen you on the final table, uh, but you're not coming under the radar this time. You know, you're you're coming in with with really high expectations and, and maybe how, how, how do you think about that and, and how do you prepare for that? Because you're you may not get the same uh, you may not get the same grace period that you got a couple of years ago. Hey, you know, I, I, that's fine. I think that that's what drives us every day. Um, if, if you're not scared shitless, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say that, but if you're not scared to death every day, walking into work, uh, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And obviously something's wrong and you find, find something new to do. I think, that's that you know the fear of failure is obviously you know a huge driving factor in anything chefs do you know we're and yeah no we're we're very well aware that we're people have high expectations of this of this uh, mm-hmm. restaurant and you know we feel very strongly with the team that we have in place and and the the concept that we're going to roll into that that we we will be able to meet those people's expectations and, and, and hopefully exceed them. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that's on my mind. Absolutely. How could it not be? Sure. Do you want to talk about some ideas you have for the menu? I mean, I know you mentioned some Gulf coast and some, some broader influences. I mean, do you have any, have you, have you worked on a couple of dishes that, that you can preview for us? Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do a fish sandwich. That's going to be, you know, we're going to, Oh right, you're going to do lunch, aren't you? Isn't that part of the plan? So lunch will yeah. be uh, lunch will be added later on. At the beginning, when we open, uh, uh, hopefully this uh, this November, late November, it, it will first open for dinner and uh, similar to to Blue Dawn, really sort of slowly ramp it up, and uh, after the holiday season, bring in lunch in the mix. Um, but the the here's what I'll say about the menu. The chef won't say is is. Seafood truly opens up possibilities. You know, in our last conversation, you, you mentioned something that really hit me that way is every every city that's connected to ocean, every country that has 
the ocean has has some sort of traditional seafood dishes or type of style of cuisine and 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 seafood is truly i think when you look at the map it's it's you you couldn't think of a greater way to 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 connect the whole world you know i i and and for us this city what better place to to do something like that eric it's if you think about Houston what Houston is such a hub such a diverse city dynamic and right now on fire growing with people moving into it by the hundreds by the thousands um you know us us stepping from blue dawn to our next concept choosing seafood was something that was you know what what once we found the space was immediate we knew this is this is it and 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 the flexibility to just showcase the talent of both these chefs is going to be apparent is going to be there people who want to see chef Aaron i i i i could tell them that they get to see him all the time like they would see him at Boudon. i think uh, uh, his presence is 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 going to be felt uh, same my presence in the dining rooms in both restaurants is going to stay strong and we we, we get to enhance, enhance all of this by bringing someone like jared who uh, his 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 pedigree is is truly incredible and and I know, I know. Once Navy Blue gets going, and 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 he's given the opportunity to to, to connect with the Houstonians and show what he's capable of of, of creating, people would 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 welcome him here. And you you know, Eric, I, I will say this. You know, I, I think that if if you're looking for a little teaser, I'll give you I'll give you a good one here. So we're gonna do a lot of our. You know how we've done the oysters three ways or oysters every way at Blue Dorn. You know, literally, you can have them with whatever. We're gonna yes we're gonna, yes yeah. raw roasted and fried. That's my that is my opening advice to anyone going to Blue Dorn is get get the oysters all three ways. And then and then also if you want you know you had caviar you had uni you had whatever whatever is is kind of on your mind there. We're gonna do that same concept with with other uh, other seafoods clams shrimp uh, Dover sole lobster. So take take your take your mind and let that where where is that what's that going to be? What are, what are three ways you could do lobster or three ways you could do Dover sole? And I think that there, there lies part of what, what this menu is going to be. And it's, I think what we really, really are excited about is that we found the style of dining at Blue Dorn where we gave people more options. We gave people the ability to kind of craft their own experience, whether it's a burger at the, at the bar or a burger at a table, uh, and or if it's you know steak with black truffles on top or beef wellington which is coming back the day after thanksgiving um but <laughs> but uh you know it's this idea that you know we're we're gonna have what what you thought what you thought you wanted before you even thought of that and i think that that same idea is going to transfer uh over to navy blue and and even be explored a little bit more well, well, let me just say, if one of those lobsters isn't Thermidor, I'm going to be very disappointed. Maybe. Because you need that. I, I mean, you don't need my advice. You're, you've been very successful. But I, I do think part of what makes Blue Orange so fun is that kind of retro, you know, Oysters Rockefeller, prime rib. So, you know, to, to see you guys kind of put your spin on, you know, a tableside filet Dover sole or lobster Thermidor you know, clams casino. Uh, you know, just, just excited here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> more for the audience as much as much. You know, just as, as as anything I expect you guys to react to. Uh, but just 
there's a lot of possibilities. Obviously, yeah, and, and Eric, I think that was the perfect way to preview it because look at where your mind just went, and then you know I, I'll I'm not going to say anything else, but you're you're pretty close. You're hot. <laughs> right. Very then, hot. All right. <laughs> we, we, obviously, obviously, we're running long. I I knew this was going to be, I knew this was going to be long. But but Sharif, let me let me just come back to you. Because uh, one of the things I really like about Blue Dorn is that it always feels like an occasion. You, you know, obviously, anyone who follows me on Instagram knows we celebrated my mother's birthday there last year. I've, you know, subsequently other friends have been like, "I want you to come with me when I celebrate my birthday there." <laughs> how do you how do you create that environment? Because you, traditional fine dining can feel stuffy. Yeah, and and I won't. You know, I, I I've been I've been places where it's it's not fun, and Blue Dorn, whatever whatever anyone wants to say about it, in my opinion, is always a good time. And so, just maybe from from your perspective on the service side, how do you how do you create that, knowing that people are coming in like with with again with high expectations, and, and they want a memorable they want a memorable meal. Yes, it's uh, Eric. That's a that's a great question, and it, it, it's it's it starts with the people. It starts with the personalities type, the characters that we have, and we always say this. As funny as, as this might sound, our our number one criteria to work at Blue Dawn is we we, we just want to look. We just want to find nice people. Someone who's who's got that genuine interest and kindness and 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 interest in others, and someone who. Who, who takes to heart uh, being able to make someone else feel good. And, and that is, is what we trade on. It's no matter what happens, no matter what we do, the foundation of, 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 of being a group of people with a culture of looking out for, for, for one another is, is the rock. And, and one of our uh, go-to quote we say here all the time is, take care of those who are near and those who are far will come. And, and what we say by that is, if you're standing in the restaurant as an employee of Blue Dawn or whoever you are as a person working in the restaurant, and when you, when you put an emphasis in taking care of the closest person or the nearest person to you, at any given time, most likely will be another colleague, whether it's the chef and a cook, myself and a cook, myself with chef. But we, we, we start our days by just making sure that we have a strong foundation of taking care of one another and, and that extends to the rest. That, that grows into... Uh, being able to 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 take care of our guests and and you're right, fine dining can be stuffy. We've we, we've been there. We've we've worked in those environments for a long time, and we always said to ourselves that if we ever open our restaurants, this would be one place that we will make sure it is not operated this way. When Chef and I were talking about uh, Blue Dawn and and what kind of concept that was going to be, one question we asked each other was, what is a restaurant that we see ourselves going to every day? What is a restaurant that we could see ourselves literally go and dine every day? And that is a restaurant that will not be stuffy. That would be a restaurant where you as a guest, you're given what you want and the flexibility to dine as you wish. Um, you will not be restricted into menu formats and prefix and so on and so on. It will, it will be delicious and it will be friendly. So we took that and we, we just created a, the, the, the concept that sort of checked off all those boxes. Um, we're not a prefix type of restaurant, although people come here and want to dine tasting menu style or uh, people sit down and want to order multiple dishes split into different ways. We are extremely accommodating for what our guests want to do. 
um, cooking delicious food and having a, a friendly service that is also very efficient is 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 truly one thing that we work on all the times and 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 there's a lot of little things that goes into that uh, the way we we make sure that our team is in a good mental space before service the conversation that we have every day before service um, we we are uh, we we have a, a pre-service meeting every single day at 4:15 that lasts about 30 to 45 minutes and this is a pre, this is a time for us to connect as a team and and highlight important things in the restaurant about service that we need to address and 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 do it in a positive way but more importantly the the, the purpose of this meeting is to 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 have the team start service on a high note they, they go into service in a, in a in a very positive mindset and 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 just the day gets built up from that and and we do this every single day no matter how busy we are chef and i are always present at those meetings and, and uh, um and we do it for brunch as well when we, we, we even for events when we have a buyout we'll never go into it without having it one more Aaron, for you i mean you know, over the last year, you've had some guest chef dinners, you know, you've had chefs in from out of town. Um, kind of what does the future look like for, for Blue Dorn? Like, what are your what are your goals as you head from year two into year three? Yeah, I, I would say everything that we just to continue to build upon what we've already created. And, and how do you uh, what you know, if, if we're talking about immediately what's next, we just opened tickets for Gavin Kaysen, uh it was my mentor uh, coming in on his book tour and doing a dinner with us on uh, November 8th. So that's in the most immediate future. Uh, and it's already, we, we just put it up and it starts started selling. <laughs> so, so Eric, talk about a scoop. This is the scoop because this yeah. was not, we were not going to announce it till Wednesday. Yeah. But, but you just got it here. Well, but this podcast doesn't come out until Thursday. Well, you know, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, we, we, heard, we heard it first here. Uh, right. It's the first we're talking about it. Uh, so, but no, uh, I, I, I expect to continue that. And then especially with having Navy Blue as well, it's another medium for us to, to explore and you know who knows maybe uh jared will break down a whole tuna on the pass one day and we'll do a dinner or a lunch around it around that maybe we'll bring in you know uh, chefs from all over chefs that inspire us chefs that we're excited about uh ask them to come to town i've got some friends you know i my friend darren mclean from uh calgary uh he uh just had me up there i did a week up uh cooking with him and i'd love to bring him down here i think navy blue would be a great place for him to cook at uh we're looking at you know guest chef dinners starting uh next year in, in the winter um so yeah there's a there's a lot of possibilities a lot of things and i i just look to continue to contribute to houston and the community here and uh the best i can so I'm very excited for that all right well i i'm i I literally, I think I could probably go for another half an hour, but I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give you guys a break. I'm going to give the audience a break. Uh, but before I let you go, Sharif and Jared, since this is your first time, you have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Jared, let me start with you. What is your favorite ingredient? Oh, uh, morel mushrooms. Sharif, how about you? Asparagus. Sharif, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Goldplay. Oh, sorry. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Jared, how about you? Foo Fighters. Jared, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, probably uh, probably a Whopper. Yeah. 
Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Sharif? Burger. A good cheeseburger. No, from where, though? Oh, well, um, Shake Shack. Sharif, who is your favorite professional athlete, past or present? Zinedine Zidane. Soccer player. Yeah. Jared, how about you? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I used to be a huge, uh, yeah, maybe Emmett Smith. Used to be one of my favorites. Yeah, that'll play. That'll play somewhat ambivalently here in Houston. We're not. Uh, we're not Cowboys people. I'm just thinking of like a childhood thing. Sorry. No, no, it's cool. And then, uh, and then, Sharif, finally, uh, what Houston restaurant is number one on your list? What are you dying to try? Ooh, uh, restaurants that I've been to, or that I want to. No, go no, to? no. That what 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 haven't you been to? But you really want to check out. Uh, the next one that I'm going to go to would be High Kang. That that's a great answer, especially for someone opening a seafood restaurant. Yeah, I I, I, I want to check. I, I almost went yesterday. We I, I ran out of time. Got caught into a Halloween decoration with the kids, but uh, next week and probably go check it out. Jared, how about you? What I, I know you're you're new to the city, but what have you heard about? What are you looking forward to trying? Well, I actually went to High Kang a week week and a half ago. It's amazing. I think that was your recommendation. Um, but I think Uchi. It might be my next uh, one that I want to try. Which is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah, it's a good one. All right, Aaron, give us the give us the website and the social media for Navy Blue and Blue Dorn and everything else. Yep. Uh, so Blue Dorn is Blue Dorn Restaurant uh, dot com. Navy Blue is Navy Blue Restaurant dot com. Uh, both Instagram handles are Navy Blue HTX and Blue Dorn HTX. Well, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, Eric. Right. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. Really, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.